are back for another Yap versus Yap. I'm joined by your friend and mine, Mr. Matthew Sosi of WFYI uh, and Film Sociology, House of Blues. and Blues so House Party. I don't want to give Dan Aykroyd money. <laughs> yes. until, until folks where they can uh, follow you or hear your shows. All right, well, you can hear well. You can hear the Blues House Party <clears throat> Saturday nights at seven on WFYI ninety point one FM or WFYI.org. Film sociology is on usually post every Friday afternoon evening on WFYI.org. I also produce uh, and I'm another voice in a show called Stolen Moments, which is Saturday Sundays at six, Tuesdays at eight on ninety point one. I'm on Facebook, on Twitter at Matthew Sosi and. Uh, yeah, and I'm on the streets. <laughs> Randomly. Yeah, exactly. Just well, I'm not doing a show right now, so I'm I'm glad to be back on the streets. So we are here to to talk about uh Macbeth, or excuse me, the tragedy of Macbeth, which is the new Joel Cohen, not Joel and Ethan Cohen, just right. Joel. A Cohen brother film. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Have they uh have they ever done a solo? Have they ever split off from each other? I know I know there's been like a a screenplay where like one contributed but the others did not correct correct but no this is the first solo directing job for joel yeah and it's really interesting so uh as we record this um we actually just saw the movie last week although we saw it very early before it's coming out around christmas time so i'm not exactly sure when this is going to air it depends on the embargo that they lay on us but um we want to get our thoughts down while we had them uh or i should should say my thoughts which i i (laughs) And I realized this, that I am uh, very much in the minority on uh, the tragedy of Macbeth from Joel Cohen. Um, and I'll just state my opinions, hot takes, if you will, uh, which is, and I admit, when I saw that Joel Cohen is going to be making a version of the tragedy of Macbeth and not like an ironic or set in modern times or adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth, my response was fucking why <laughs> and literally like why 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 are you doing that and with his usual cast of characters of course the great francis mcdormand and a lot of the other people that he's worked with uh starring in this and i i i, I it, it sort of struck me when uh when greta gerwig uh after her amazing debut film lady bird decided for her second film to do the you know eighth screen adaptation of Little Women, I was just like, that doesn't seem like an interesting or bold or innovative choice for me, and I'm just like, it's such an iconic piece of of literature and intellectual property, if you want to use that modern slang, and I was just like, so I admit, I went into the film with a very sort of negative feeling about why this movie needed to exist. And I, I came out of it unchanged on that pin, even though it's beautifully acted. It's done in this very sort of spare style with minimal sets and extras, you know, so very much sort of like they're not they're not trying to make it look like a stage production of Macbeth, but with, you know, those bookends that you have with a stage production, you know, we have limited limited scope, you know, you can't see beyond the frame or in this case of the stage of the theater. And there's very much that sense of, you know, um, it's black and white, beautiful. Uh, a number of people have compared it to. What was the other filmmaker you, you guys compared it to? Orson Welles did a film version of Macbeth. Um, there's also been comparisons to Fritz Lang. 
um yeah very very i say very black and white it's it's shot entirely on sound stages and it has that look yeah. wells wells would have some sound stages but then he would he would be crazy enough to go to like actually scotland to yeah, film yeah. stuff and then he'd run out of money and he'd go and appear in an american movie for a couple of days and then take the money and finish his films so but no it has a very old school uh wells wellsian lang ish look about it yeah uh, uh my thought was actually ingmar bergman if you're familiar with you know sort of like the yeah the- there's 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 a bit of that too and and of course bergman has directed many directed many shakespeare plays yeah over his, over his time Pete Bergman, probably like fifties, early sixties. Yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, very much a focus on the faces of the characters, and you know, people not so much. In in, in this case, not really. It's really not about the backgrounds because there really aren't any backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came out of it with, with still a pretty negative experience, um, which is I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, and, and I should say, obviously, I'm speaking. To you, you know, who's obviously a very much a theater buff, someone who directs, stars in, in stage productions his whole life. Um, I had similar discussions, disagreements with our friend Lou Harry, who, of course, is a, a theater critic and, and playwright himself. So, I, you know, I, I kind of knew that I was not going to agree with a lot of people just because my my opinions on Shakespeare on film in 2021 basically are, at least to you guys, and I think to a lot of people who are, you know, of an intellectual, cultural bent, are heresy and, and i know they are but m- m- my feeling is just it doesn't work the the language is just too dense um it's such you know it's been around for 400 plus years um it's been adapted on screen literally tens of thousands of times if not hundreds of thousands of times uh and on film many many times so you know you're going into this with it's like it's the story of Hansel and Gretel. Let's do let's do a movie about Hansel and Gretel in 2021, but we're not going to, you know, do make it like an action movie or, or, or They did movie. already. Yeah. It's just no, we're just going to do a straight yeah. Hansel and Gretel for, for I'm like why 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 do I need to see this? So the line, you know, when we come out of the things for press screens, we have the press representative there who's asked to take quotes from to see if there's anything they can use. Um, and my line um, that I said to them, I, I did come up with this for a moment, but I wrote it down afterwards. <laughs> I, said, I said, you know, watching this is is like it's a photograph of a painting, of a sculpture, of a play about a dead guy on screen. And it's 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 I said it's it's artifice behind artifice behind artifice. There's just so many layers of construct between me and this material that I have no, I have no emotional engagement to it. Um, It's, it's strictly just, it's, you know, it's poetry, beautiful sounding language, even though I would challenge that I would bet at most people comprehend 50% of what's said. Um, I, I, I don't know why, why I, I don't, I'll start with this. I don't think Shakespeare on on film works anymore in 2021. Um, you know, yeah. You know, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. As, as a Cohen, as a Cohen film once said. Yeah. Again, I, I realize as I say this that I am uh, committing cultural heresy, and I come across as a 
lowbrow numbskull, uh, which oh uh, no no no, you're a highbrow numbskull. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've 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 talked enough. Um, why I I know you like this. I, I, I think every other critic who came out of the screening had a positive reaction to it. In some cases, very very positive. So let me just turn. And, okay. Turn, end my rant and turn it over to someone. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Knows knows more in his pinky toe about Shakespeare than I do. Oh, pink, okay. I'm not. I'm not showing you my feet. This, this is not a Tarantino show. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this, but I want to go back to something. Um, as far as you know, as you mentioned, we we do Shakespeare's plays to this day because they are stories and actions and behavior that we can all still relate to. So that's one. Another is what I love about stage and screen versions are, is how are they going to treat the material? You know, Roman Polanski's treatment of this is different than Orson Welles's, is different than the dude who made Assassin's Creed, is different, which is the last one, really, that, that was a major film version, and, and is different than Scotland PA, and it's, it's different than Men of Respect. So what cutting they do of it intrigues me. I, I've always said there's always, there seems to be an unofficial agreement between certain movie studios PBS and the BBC of okay I'm going to do a film version of this novel or this play or this author like every 10 to 20 years and you mentioned Ms. Gerwig with her adaptation of Little Women it's unlike any other adaptation because it goes back and forth between Joe the writer and the stories that we lead into so that I, I and and that was a very polarizing uh film as far as the adaptation I loved it so what I dug about this version, because generally Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, oh my God, I said the title of a play online. Ah, no curse. But, uh, but the fact that you have Macbeth, who is much older, I mean, Denzel is, he's his age. And so I think the, the aspect of... 65, just so people... A, a very handsome 65, I might add. And Francis McDormand, who is ageless and gorgeous. But the fact that here's an older guy who, uh, you know, was supposed to be the heir to the throne and it goes to the king's son. So the the uh, the necessity to stay on to power and be lingered in, and be talked into doing the deeds to get him the throne. That seems more intriguing to me than a 20 something Macbeth. Um, Denz, I'm, I'm really happy Denzel got to re and do Shakespeare once again. This has been almost 30 years since he appeared in Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, where he got to do Shakespeare and he got to do comedy. And he doesn't get enough to do either one of those. But I guess the Equalizer Part 8 is what helped get uh, the August Wilson plays filmed. So more power to him. Yeah. Um, so, so that part of it, I don't mind. But um, as far as the language, dude, you're a you're a fan of Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that, that's true. But I mean, I, I, and I've had this argument with our friend Lou Harry. Uh, he he claims I, maybe just because you know he's been a theater person his whole life. He claims he can sit there and listen to any Shakespeare thing and completely follow it. And uh, and I, I I will freely admit maybe I'm just not intellectually bent enough. But uh, I have gr I mean literally. 80% of my energy watching this stuff is I'm trying to understand what they're saying. It's it's it, a play, it's a film, it's not an exam. Yeah. So long as you're so long as you're following it and you know what the characters are going through, nobody's asking you to translate it. You're not doing the closed captions. 
Yeah, but see, for me, the experience of something where like it, it, you know, where it's like it's in English, but in like really, really, you know, twisted vowels Welsh, um, where you're like, that's my favorite band. Yeah, I mean, uh, I hate to say it, it's the sort of movie that I think I would have done better with with subtitles. I, I think reading it. I could have followed a little better because, of course, they're actors and they're saying this and what what they're trying to do it in a natural cadence. Um, but you know, it just and you know, occasionally there's like historical references in there and things like that. Um, it, you know, it, it's like it's like reading Dante's Inferno, where you know there's like this much deep of uh, footnotes at the bottom of each page. And it's like, well, this is a reference to a duke and the you know the Cordonum Edge in time, and this is why he was portrayed this way, and that's what the reference really. Mean. It you know, it's like. Uh, the, here I'm going to make another lowbrow analogy. It's almost like okay. I compare it to video games. Is a video game to me is only good when the interface is invisible, which is mm -hmm. to say how you're controlling things after you know a certain amount of time disappears for you, and it's just about the game doing this, and it's your brain and interacting with it, and you're not thinking about what I'm doing with my hands to make it happen. And I think a lot of that is the same with film is if you're not able to find a place uh, where you're able to understand and have comprehension of what people are saying fairly easily without having to work too hard, there also automatically becomes this distance between the characters and the emotions and what's the, the, the human story that's going to be going on because I'm spending too much of my brain power, such as it is, trying to just say like what is he saying what does it mean you know and that's not how i don't think movies work well that way i i don't think you're able to i mean movies i think work best when they're primarily an emotional experience and when you're to me when i'm spending so much of my intellectual energy on the language and trying trying to get through it it's like a thicket that I'm trying to get through to get to the actual movie and the story and the characters. I'm, I'm precluded from having those emotional responses. I'm not. Mm. <laughs> That's the great, the great rebuttal. <laughs> Just there. <It's laughs> but let me put it this way. I mean, you're a theater person, you know, you've read or acted or seen acted this stuff, you know, probably hundreds of times in your life because you have that fam more familiarity with it. I think you already, you know, it's like it's like me like going and watching Lord of the Rings, which is a great thing to say because like I know that those books backwards and forwards, I know every reference. Whereas I don't know what it's like for someone who's coming to that material for the first time, and you know has to puzzle you know, puzzle all those pieces in the language together. I it was funny because you you're, you're the strength of your passion of your argument. You make it sound like they're you know I don't know those superhero movies that come out every six months. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's not. Uh, the, the other thing I think that this has going for it, it's it's uh, Macbeth is is his shortest play, Shakespeare's shortest play, and this film clicks in at about an hour forty five. So so there, I would not would not have wanted to see a two and a half hour hour version of this. No, movie. I get it. I totally get it. And it, I mean, there and you know they all can't be. Kenneth Branagh's four-hour Hamlet, which is the entire play. And by the way, it justifies getting a nomination because it's what you do to adapt the material for the screen. Come at me. But no, this one this one really works at a nice pace as far as the actions, the deeds. And uh, yeah, the, 
the not really spoiler alert on the final battle, but the final battle, which is done in a very narrow space and good use of CG that just made me laugh out loud because it kind of does. When If you know the story, like how are they going to handle the the deed of what happens at the end and they, they just kind of went all out yeah, um yeah. it's it's a re- i think it's a restrained production um denzel is an understated performance there's only a couple of moments i think people kind of look for the denzel isms and no he doesn't say mcduff ain't got shit on me and you know he doesn't guarantee anything but it's a very low-key performance i know a few years ago he got to do julius caesar on on broadway which I would love to see sometime. McDormand is solid as usual. Not a lot of chemistry between the two of them. And, and part of it is, I think, the adaptation. They don't get a lot of time together as a couple. Um, so that's, that's kind of lost. The only other Coen brother player I see in this, Chris, and he's got one great scene as Stephen Root as the porter, which... In, in your tragedies, you have to have comedic moments and vice versa. And, uh, and the porter in Macbeth does that job. And it's fun to see Stephen Root at least get one scene in this. But everybody else is barely, well, I'd have to look. I'm sure they're stage actors from England and, and I have to look and see what else they've done. But those are the, the most familiar faces. But yeah, it's, it's not a perfect film, but I, I'm glad they did it. And, you know, like for the last, the last film version of Macbeth I saw is the one with, Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard and and it's it's different it's wasn't my favorite but I'm as I said before I'm always intrigued with the setting and how you adapt it to the screen which I still you know I still don't mind if they're gonna if they're gonna make uh, superhero movies every six months I don't mind a film version of classic literature once twice a year I mean it's not like the 90s there was that big glut of Shakespeare films in the mid 90s which um which was a great time for a 20-something film dork like myself yeah well i'll just leave it with this you know like to me doing macbeth or any of the plays right now maybe it's because i'm older and you know i'm more more in, stuck in my ways but you know like when kenneth Branagh was doing his movies like in the age when he was like literally like 25 27 30 years old for those first three i mean it felt fresh and new to me he shot it, he, he shot it like a movie he didn't try to make a play play on screen kind of version of it um, and it felt it felt interesting to me or even like you know the much derided Shakespeare in love you know you sort of like take the story behind the stories and did something interesting and innovative okay. and, yeah I, I like that um, but you know or even um, you mentioned uh, Denzel Washington you know who's, who's actually committed to try and doing screen adaptations of all the August Wilson plays which I don't know if those have been previously adapted for the screen but there's like, been a there's been a couple, but he's uh, the piano lesson is one that especially comes to mind with Charles S. Dutton that yeah, was done yeah. I think in the late eighties early nineties. So yeah. those, um, those have been very vibrant for me. I've enjoyed those. I mean, it, again, it's like I think about Joel by uh, association Ethan Cohen. You know, I mean, they've been around for forty years now almost. I think Blood Simple in eighty four was their first produced film. Eighty five yeah so you know you're in your 60s now you've got your oscars you know you can pretty much do you know within reason if you know unless you go go to a studio and say i want 150 million dollars you can pretty much do whatever they want and i I did but why would you want to do it because he can the same reason why dogs lick their elbows because they can why not 
My God. <laughs> I don't know. Well, to me, this is the example of, you know, film critics, you know, we should endeavor as much as possible to go to a film without our biases um, and let the film come to us. But to me, you're, that's not always going to be possible. And no. so to me, the solution to that, when I do go into an experience with biases, is to admit them up front. I, I pre and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna count I'm gonna counter with that for a moment. Um, the the other uh, well, and I'll do it now because it's funny because I just watched a particular screener. There have been a number of films in the last few years which <clears throat> have been biopics about people that we are supposed to be sympathetic to towards, and I'm still as a as I'm really kind of having a hard time. I, Tanya was an example, although that's a really well-made film and a really good performance from uh, Margot Robbie and, um, and Allison Janney, who of course won the Oscar. Um, I just finished watching The Eyes of Tammy Faye and I'm sorry, she knew more. I, 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 I think she knew more. And, and I think the high point for me is Oliver Stone's Shakespearean tragedy known as Nixon, because it almost made me feel sorry for Richard Nixon almost but not quite and so that's one where and there's been a number of pictures that have been coming out where we're supposed to look at a, somebody who has been vilified in the public or public eye or public opinion or in history and and see their side of the story and I'm like mm, I think they know a little more than they actually lead on at least in this picture and it's also based on a documentary and if you're making a film if you're making a feature film based on a documentary um, I make the Chris Lloyd Macbeth face so <laughs> well I'll put as best a face on it as I can I did not <laughs> a very <laughs> handsome mutton chop face I might add that look, I, was, I, I was saying earlier friends this is his masterpiece audition he, he looks fine get him a stove yeah for those who don't know it's november late november as we're recording this and so i traditionally have done movember where you grow facial hair to wear awareness about prostate cancer and other men's illnesses hence the ch mutton chops but yeah and and to be fair so i don't look like a, a heartless clod i normally look like peter jackson's stunt double but i just got done doing a play called elizabeth rex where i've had a beard for almost a year and well, frankly, my wife likes a smooth face when it comes to the smooching department. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how how some other people's significant others deal with the whiskers because mine don't. <laughs> <laughs> but Denzel Washington looks nice in Macbeth. I'll say that. Yeah, he well, he's he's handsome devil and very talented. It's got everything we don't. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Matthew. I appreciate you coming on here and uh, arguing with. Uh, uh, your usual uh, classiness and grace and uh, not not telling me what a, a, a lowbrow idiot I am. Uh, not. <laughs> but I appreciate that. But we love doing these yap versus yap, especially when there is a little bit more disconnect and discord, disagreement. Those are not bad things as long as they can be talked out respectfully and had a great exchange of ideas. And I think we've had another great one. Very cool, man. Good to see you. And yeah, I think this is opening Christmas Day. Yeah. So this, I, I know there's a number of films opening Christmas Day, but uh, I think the, the the bloodiest one I've seen on Christmas Day was The Hateful Eight. So um, this, not nearly as bloody as that, but, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, everybody. Go see The Tragedy of Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys. <laughs>